0: Amen. You may be seated. You know, um, uh, when Robin and I were dating, uh, we went through about a, an eight-month breakup. It was a bummer uh, because you know when when she broke up with me, I thought, man, I'm never going to find a girl like her, and and that was true. And and uh, you know, um, in that time, I, I was, in spite of my sadness, I was still trying to walk with the Lord, and and. Um, and I had this evangelism strategy that I was working through at that point. I was I was picking up hitchhikers and telling them about Jesus. Now I'm not recommending that evangelism strategy uh, unless you work for Uber or something. Uh, but but at that point I was I was kind of passionate about doing that. And I picked up this hitchhiker one day in Oklahoma City, and and uh, I said, Hey, where do you need to go? I need to go to the Grace Rescue Mission. Great, great, great. So we start driving, and and I start talking to him about Jesus, and 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 he goes, Yeah. Uh, I came to know Christ in the late 60s. A man named John Shelton led me to Christ. And I looked at him like, you're kidding me. I go, well, his granddaughter just broke up with me. And uh, and, and and I, I can only, I remember that conversation because cause at the end of it he was like, Oh man, maybe it'll work out. I was like, Thanks, man, I appreciate it. And it was the weirdest, it was the weirdest evangelism moment I ever had in my life. And um but but you know, um, it was so cool because John Shelton is was Robin's grandfather. And he was a pastor, and I'm so proud of him, and I'm so grateful that I get to come from his legacy and 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 that my grandkids are part of his, or excuse me, my children. I'm speaking prophetically maybe. Um uh, uh, my, my, my children are his grandkids and are part of his legacy. And, and you know, in the late 60s, he was the pastor at a church in, in northeast Oklahoma City. And uh and if you were alive, I wasn't alive during that time. But uh, but if you were alive during that time, you understand the environment that was going on in the late '60s. You know, on our on our banner here, we have 1955, and it's a it's a picture of Rosa Parks. And honestly, that started that firestorm. And I'm proud of John Shelton because. As he was pastoring this church, this church was wrestling with the fact that our neighborhood is changing, and, and, and this church elected, they, they said, we gotta move. We gotta move out of this neighborhood, and, and they did, and, and they moved out of this neighborhood fleeing the, the, the changing neighborhood and, and the reality is John Shelton had to deal with leaders in his church, people that said, hey, I love Jesus, but there were African Americans that would come to their church and they would meet them at the door and say, there's another church for you that's down the street. It's not here. And, and John was called the pastor of that church. And this church that was very influential in Oklahoma City at the time um, was known for starting other churches, were known for some of the work that they did, ended up firing Robin's grandfather. And you know, the root of that, though there were several issues they listed, the root of that firing was founded in racism. And you know what's interesting about that church I, it, they still have a location. I, I looked them up this week, and, and that church is, is, is merely a shell of what it used to be. I mean, I mean, from what I can gather, there is very little influence that that church is, is experiencing today. You know, it reminds me of Revelation chapter 2 when, when Jesus warns, the churches that, that at Ephesus, he said, I will remove your lampstand from you. Just because a church at some point is, is experiencing God moving and experiencing a, an incredible work of God doesn't mean that's always the case. And so, so often our sin, in, even in churches, sin of churches causes their lampstand to be removed. And as we saw last week, as we began this every step forward, we, we've, we've realized that, look, we are called to be a church to, to, that, that continues to walk with God, continues to see the Lord move. And, and you know, when you, when you think about this morning, continuing that journey, we're going back into James now the book of James is this incredible book that talks about how we experience the Lord move. Now most of the time when we think about what God moving in the church, we think about what happens in this room. But, but the real, really when we think about God moving in the church, that's not talking about the practices we, we engage in when we walk into worship. That's really talking about what we look like when we live in the world how we live outside of these walls. And and it's important for us to understand the book of James is this incredibly practical book that talks about how we walk with God. Now, James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, deals with this very difficult question of prejudice. And I want to ask you a question today. Are we prejudiced? Now, most of us would go, you know, absolutely not, no way, no, we're not prejudiced. uh, You know, I'm, I'm not prejudiced against anybody. But, but is there somebody in this community that, if they walked in this room, if they walked into our lives, we would have the attitude that you're not welcome here? We don't want you. Now, now the the reality is, even though most of us would say absolutely not, there is probably in every one of us a part of our heart that we hold discrimination against somebody. And what we're going to do today is allow God's word to shine the spotlight on that part of our heart. So would you stand with me and let's look at... James chapter two, and I want you to stay with me all all the whole morning, because we're going to kind of walk through this text for a little bit today, but but, uh, so make sure you stay there in your Bible, and I hope you follow along in your notes, but it starts out, James writes, my brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. For if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and there also comes in a poor man in dirty clothes, and you pay special attention to the one who is wearing fine clothes and say, You sit here in a good place. And you say to the poor man, You stand over there or sit down by my footstool. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? Listen, my beloved brethren, did God did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Is it not the rich who oppress you and personally drag you into court? Do they not blaspheme the fair name by which you have been called? If, however, you are fulfilling the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point has become guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment will be merciless to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you, you may be seated. Now, if you have your notes, I want you to follow along today because we need to see this, that point number one in our notes that we gotta come away with is that prejudice and following Jesus will never go together. It's impossible. And that's what James is saying here, that, that look at this, verse one here, and stay with me in James chapter two. My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. Now, James is writing, writing to believers. He's writing to the church that, that he is pastoring. And he's like, look, we cannot hold, we cannot show favoritism. We can't do it. Now, now, the New English version, if you have that version with you, it calls it snobbery, which basically means that when you turn your nose up and look down on somebody. We've all felt that, Right? Maybe we've done that. Now the Greek word, compound word here, means to receive in the face. It literally means to receive someone's face. That means to make a judgment on somebody by the way they look. And and this is a warning here because because discrimination comes in all forms and and we we have this tendency to, to want to discriminate against one another and this is an historic problem. It's not just a problem of our nation. It's not just a, it's, it's been a problem all through the history of the world, that any time there have been groups of people, which we normally, sociology as we form into groups, there are some that will look down on others, and we see it in every culture at every time, but see, this is what Christ is doing in us, that God is, is growing us to walk with him, and, and, and is growing us to know him, and to, and to put our faith into action, and and. And basically right here it's saying don't treat anybody differently by the way they look. Now discrimination comes in several areas. Now we see this. You can discriminate over looks. And this happens a lot, right? You, you, you see somebody, how they look, and you make judgments about them. But often a judgment about how someone looks um, without knowing that person is often wrong. We're often mistaken in our, in our judgment of them. But we see this, that, that we judge people by appearance. And, and the scripture's warning us, hey, don't do that. Look at the person. Look at the heart of the person, know the person. But so often we judge somebody by the way they look. Another one is heritage. We judge somebody, someone by their heritage. And we see this with, in 1955 when, when Rosa Parks made that statement on the bus that began this firestorm in, in our nation that needed to happen. That was wrong. I mean, my children hear those stories and hear my parents who are in their 80s talk about knowing there were times that, that, that there were different bathrooms for people that, that if by the color of your skin, you couldn't eat in some restaurants. And they go, that's crazy to me. I mean, my kids look at us and go, people really did that? And, and what's crazy about it is the people that said, I love Jesus, and I know forgiveness did that. Now, like we've talked about, and, and, and we've gotta get ready for this, the world in five years or less is gonna turn their attention to the city of Tulsa. Because the, the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa race riots is taking place, 100 years ago. And, and, and if you've not done this, this week Maggie and I went on a date and uh, my, my youngest daughter, and we went down to Tulsa and went to eat, and, and we went to Greenwood down in Tulsa. And if you've not done that, we just walked into that museum and, and looked around at those pictures, and it's, 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 it's amazing what happened in our city. Now, the truth is we are, we are, we are a leader church in this, in this city. I don't know if you knew that, but we are. And, and, and we have got to inject ourselves into this dialogue, into this problem. Now the reality is we've gotta be part of the solution. This is what Christ followers do. They, they, they jump into to the world and we become part of the solution. I had breakfast this week with a, with a, a man that I deeply respect. He's a pastor of an African-American church here in Tulsa, a Baptist church. And I, 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 I told him, here's what I said to him. I said, I need you to pray because I need you to have you come and preach at our church. And I need you to, pr- I need you to pray for what God would have you say to our congregation. Because you know what, Owasso, Owasso, Owasso grew on the white flight. People fleeing Tulsa, fleeing the racial problem. And I'll tell you, we, we've got to eliminate that in our hearts. Because so often we see discrimination on heritage. We see discrimination about age. You see age discrimination. You know, uh, uh, we, we tend to, you know it's interesting when you look at sociology and the way um, things have progressed. Used to, you would measure ages by the century. Okay, right? By 1900s, you would say, oh, they were from the 1800s. They were from the 1700s. Uh, then, uh, after the Industrial Revolution, things began to pick up speed, and you begin to measure differences by the decade. Oh, you're from the 20s. You're from the 30s. Now, it's like you measure time by what iPhone you have. Okay, oh, I'm iPhone 3. Oh, dude, you're so iPhone 3. You know, so it's amazing how much age discrimination we see. And, and I, I want you to know we, we are intentional about the reason that we want to have one style of service right now. We want to do that because we want all ages to come together. How unique is that? There's age discrimination, we've got to overcome that. There, there's also wealth discrimination that we see. You know, we, we, we make judgments of, oh, you have less money than me, so you're less important. Or, or you have more money than me, so I'm going to discriminate against you because you have more money than I do. There's wealth discrimination. And it's interesting uh, what happens. Look at verse 2. Um, James picks on the financial aspect. He says, for if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and there also comes in a poor man in dirty clothes, and you pay special attention to the one who is wearing fine clothes and say, you sit here in a good place. And you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my footstool. James says, have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? Talk about calling us out. Talk about calling this church out! You have evil motives. He's picking a fight here, and then the the scenario that's played out here is you see, you see two men coming into church. We know that they're guests because they didn't know where to sit, right? And they didn't know where to sit. And they said, "Okay, well, hey, you're wearing fine clothes." This is a a, a description of of being gold fingered. Okay, that's what that means. It's, it's talking about when, when you were in the New Testament times, if you were really wealthy, if you wanted to show how wealthy you were, you would put gold on your fingers. And that would designate that you are a rich person. You, you know, you could, in New Testament times, you could rent gold rings to show how wealthy you were if you wanted to make a good impression. Isn't that interesting? Well, this is a man that was gold-fingered. He was wearing the, the you know, this fine clothes is a description of the Roman uh, government, the, someone running for election, wearing this nice toga. And, and, oh, you are important because you have designer clothes on. You know, things don't change, do they? Life is all, all the same. Designer clothes guy comes in. And they go, oh, you're, you're important. You sit in this good seat. And then there's another guy who, who smells bad, probably. He's, he's, he uh, didn't look very good, and he's not wearing the nice clothes. And they go, okay, you sit over here under my footstool. That's what James says. Now, basically, that's this ultimate put-down. It, the bottom line is he's treating this poor man carelessly. Now, in this, it's important to see that, that, that you know, James is, is getting in the face of believers here, saying, pay attention to how you treat others. It's why we have this vision statement, and point number two, I want you to see this, that we have this very important vision statement that, that we are called to love some people to Christ, equipping them on their journey with God and one another, You know, we're called to be ambassadors for Christ and, and we're called to love some people, right? Good, way to go. I thought I was gonna have to work harder at that, but you're right. You know what's sad to me? Some churches don't say some people, but by their actions, they only love some people. And, and just like we've got to get this right in our notes, more importantly, we've got to get this right in our lives like this. We are called to love all people to Christ. And if you have that in your notes, scratch it out and write all. Because that is our vision statement. That, that we, we have been planted here to love all people. Regardless of their age or their heritage or their their status regardless we we are called to love all people, and we have to get this right we have to be we have to be relentless about this, that we will love people to Christ now now James is saying there's these problems with 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 favoritism, and we see this in the text, and this is just for fun. You're gonna put this, this not a blank for you, but, but but first of all, we see prejudice is against everything it means to be a follower of Jesus. They, they, you just, they don't go together. It's against, if you are showing favoritism to somebody, that is against everything that it means to walk with Jesus. 2-1, verse two, ch- verse one and chapter two. My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. And we see that we're a family, and, and there, there are several times in Scripture where God points out this use of favoritism, and he always says that God doesn't do that. Romans, Romans 2.11 says this, for there is no partiality with God. God does not show favoritism and Jesus treated everybody with dignity and and he he loved people and and this is who he is and this is what it means to be the church, to be an ambassador for Christ, to be a person or a group of people that say, Jesus, we will represent you to a world, we will not show favoritism to people. And I think it's interesting, verse 5, look down at In James 2, 5, it says, listen, my beloved brethren, did God not choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom of God, which he promised to those who love him, but you have dishonored the poor man? Then he goes, "Is is it not the rich who oppress you and personally drag you into court? Do they not blaspheme the fair name by which you have been called? Look at that. He's saying, wait, Jesus is this fair name. He's fair that has called you. Now now we see right here that prejudice overlooks God's plan in the life of a person. And it's so important. He's not saying it's good to be poor and bad to be rich. He's not saying that here. He's not even talking about that. He's saying that, um, that, that you've got to recognize God's at work in the life of every person regardless of their status. He's saying that, hey, wealth in itself doesn't deserve special treatment. That you don't, your value's not based on your valuables. Don't confuse your net worth with your self-worth. This is what he's saying. And then he, that's interesting, because he says, like, how, how, why, do you, why do you worry about pleasing the rich people? Because they're the ones dragging you into court. And, and so often we have this tendency, oh, we want to kiss up to those who are rich because we think they're gonna help us. But most of the time, that doesn't work out anyway, right? And, and it's the Roman, the, the, the Roman aristocracy, the wealthy class, that were actually feeding Christians to the lions. And James is saying, look, catering to the rich is not working out for you. You're like lunch. Okay, that's bad. But we see another thing that prejudice and, and I want us to see this. Prejudice is this direct violation of God's spoken word. And we got to hear that. That when we are prejudiced against somebody, when we, are, when we look down on somebody, when we think that we are better than somebody, we are violating the spoken word of God. Verse eight, look at it. He says, if, if however, you are fulfilling the royal law according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself you are doing well, but if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Now, why is it called the royal law here? It's called the royal law because if we obeyed this law, we wouldn't need all the rest, right? If we really did love our neighbor as ourselves. We wouldn't need all these laws. Galatians 5.14 says this, the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And I pray that we see today, if we are being unloving, we are violating God's spoken law. Now, what's the big deal about this law? Look at verse 10. James says it. For whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all, for he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So, it's like this. How many laws do you have to break to be a lawbreaker? How many? One. Like, how how many links in a chain do you have to break to break the chain? One. Okay, so, and I love, it's, it's an interesting analogy here because he's saying uh, that prejudice is a big deal to him. And, and it's an interesting way to illustrate the point. He says, he says it's kind of like this. If, if your friend came up to you and said, hey, I'm gonna be your friend and how I'm gonna show my loyalty to you is I'm not gonna have an affair with your wife. But if you make me mad, I may kill you. Now, how many of you would go, thanks, buddy? I'm so glad you're in my life. No. No, we wouldn't say that. Now James is saying, "Don't say to God, God, I've done all these good things, but I'm prejudiced against somebody." Don't say that. And 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 you know, I think back about Robin's grandfather in that moment, that he was standing against men who would say out of their mouth, I love Jesus, but would literally look at somebody with a different color of skin and say, this church isn't for you. How can that be? You know, um, verse 12, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. He's basically saying recognize that as a Christian, you're gonna, we're gonna give an account for the way we live, right? Now when we stand before God, it's not gonna be whether to determine our salvation. Our salvation is secure, but let me tell you something. We are responsible with the work of God in this place. And we are held accountable to the Lord for the way we serve him. And we better not miss that. We can't miss that. It says, for for judgment will be merciless to one who has shown mercy. Then he says, mercy triumphs over judgment. We're going to be held accountable for the way we treat people. You know what I'm so proud of and I'm so grateful for in my life? When Robin's grandfather lost his job. He is, has to make some money before we were born. He gets on the phone and he calls a, a deacon on the south side of Oklahoma City who loved him, loved pastors, and he disagreed with the leaders of that church. And so he called, he, he was going to flip some cars to try to make some money, and so he calls less wall wheel alignment on Southeast 29th Street in Oklahoma City. He called my grandfather and said, can I use a bay? My grandfather had one of those shops that when you drop something on the floor, it was dirty, okay? There's not not the shops today, like Ray Adcock, who owns Christian Brothers, you can eat off that floor. Not my grandpa's shop, it was dirty. But John would go work on his car, and my grandpa helped him earn some money. Years later, we would, it would work out like that guy that I gave a ride to, we got married. And I'm so glad we come from this legacy that they weren't perfect. But they said, you know what, that's not right. Jesus has changed us. And so don't miss point number three today as we kind of get, gotta wrap up. But point number three says to overcome prejudice, we've gotta recognize it. And we gotta repent of it. This is why we, it's important for us today to turn the, the, the light on that corner of our heart that is prejudice, that discriminates, and say, look, we've gotta repent of this. We gotta recognize it first. And we gotta go another direction. We've gotta repent of this. And, and now, now, hear me. I'm not talking of, um, I'm not talking about accepting actions that violate God's law, okay? But I am talking about correcting the sin of living with this belief that you are better than somebody else. Because when Jesus sees us, he sees all of us the same. So so I pray that we... We hear God's word today, like Romans fifteen seven that says this, therefore accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. Basically, we aren't such hot stuff, that's what he says, but Jesus accepted us. In the midst of our sin, Jesus accepted us. And this is why, as a church, we are grateful people. We are just grateful that we get to worship the Lord. We're not, we're not people that have it all together. God is, we're, we're grateful because Christ accepted us. You know, um, and, and it's interesting. Because as a church, we're called to reach out to people of all races, sexual orientation, all spiritual condition, all backgrounds. We're called to reach out to them. Now, Paul describes what it looks like in Philippians 2, 3 through 5. I want you to see it. It says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. And we've gotta see that when we live selfishly, it is beneath us as believers. And, and also, we gotta remember Hebrews 13 too. Remember that verse? It says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers because for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Now, I gotta got say this. What, what if a person is in sin? And, and a person's an adulterer, or a drunk, or homosexual, or or and it's real, it's sin against God's law. And you've got to hear this: Do not confuse acceptance with approval. Okay? Because you know, there's a big difference. Because you can accept someone without approving of their lifestyle. Now, um, we will stand for right. And as we do, we cannot miss that God's word tells us not to discriminate against somebody else. You see, Jesus got criticized. Why? You're hanging out with all those sinners. Jesus, you, 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 what, are, what are you doing with those people? You know, see, it's we are those people. And you know, I'm 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 proud of my heritage. I'm grateful that God has moved our family out of and and is moving our family out of that stronghold of prejudice and racism. And this morning, we've got to hear that. James is moving us to walk with Jesus every day of our lives. We've got to recognize that as a church, we are in a community that is about to Receive the focus of the entire nation, and I'll tell you, we 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 should lead the lead the way. As Owasso becomes more diverse, the reality is that's happening. We should reflect that. We've got to be faithful with the work of God here. So we're going to have an invitation and our invitation today is reflective. And Joe's going to lead us in this song that is right out of the Psalms. That that says, "Give us, Lord, give us clean hands." Lord, Lord, give us, would you give us pure hearts? And it's this prayer of, of, of honest evaluation because here's the thing. The, the, the great I am, the king of all kings, is growing us, is changing us, is moving us to forgive pasts. It's moving us to see the world through his eyes, not our own. how's he speaking to you today? If you need Jesus today, I I do want you to know more than you need the next breath you take, you need to be forgiven. So you could come to Jesus today and I pray that if you don't know Christ, come to him today. And the reason that we deal with our sin as believers is because we're not finished growing up. All of us are still growing. So as as Joe leads us in this song, don't push away that spotlight on the prejudice in our hearts. Turn the high beams on, on that spotlight. And, And ask the Lord, Lord, would you help me to have clean hands? Would you move me to have a pure heart? Would you stand where you are? Lord, I know, I know that there are some that need to come and just get right with you and pray. That there's some that have friends that are facing persecution and, or, or prejudice. Lord, would you just draw us to your feet? And I thank you for conviction of sin. And I thank you that you meet us where you are, where we are, and you don't leave us there. Move us, Jesus, in your name, amen.